Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. Isn't that just like God? I mean, these are visionary words that we find here in the book of Isaiah. Listen to what it says again. Enlarge the place of thy tent. That means expansion, growth. And let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. Get ready for it. Get ready for the blessing. Get ready for the expansion. Spear not. Don't limit God. Lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we come before you this morning in the precious name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the beautiful Holy Spirit that we feel here this morning. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon each one as we bring out the word. Let them not only the minds be ready to receive, but also let the hearts be ready to receive as well. And let there be a life-changing effect upon each one of their lives. Lord, we lift you up on high. We glorify your name. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will just continue to move in this service. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Praise Lord. God. This morning we're speaking on stewardship. And here in, in these scriptures that I've just read, we find where that, that God is trying to bring the people of Israel, he's trying to bring them from the frame of mind and the mentality of the natural into the supernatural. Now you find this throughout the Bible, you find it throughout the Old Testament, how God wanted to bring the children of Israel, bring his people in a full and complete dependency upon him. And you know, they, they had problems with that. And not only do they have problems with it, that they have problems, but also we have problems today in coming into that area of full, complete, and dependency upon God. We always seem to want to live in the natural when God has called us from the natural into the supernatural. And what God is doing here, he's pumping them with faith. And he's telling them, I want you to expand your vision. Have a vision. Expand your vision. I want you to stretch that vision, enlarge your faith, and also expand your goals. This is the way he was dealing with the Israelites, letting them know, listen, there's going to be tremendous blessings. Get ready for it. Begin to believe for great and mighty things. And this is the very same message that he also has for us today as his people. Now, in Hebrews 11, you find the hall of faith of people that have, it mentions people in the Word of God that they did great exploits through faith in God. And many of them are mentioned there, men, natural people, ordinary people like you and I, 
but they were able to do tremendous exploits for God, great and tremendous exploits for God because they put their faith and their confidence in God. And through the Bible, we, we, we find scripture after scripture that deals with that, where God wants to elevate us. He wants to elevate you from the natural into the supernatural because God is a supernatural God. God is a, an all-powerful God. God is a God that specializes in the supernatural and the impossible. Now, this morning, I want you, I want to more teach and, and bring out some lessons that we find from the Word of God where the Bible brings us to that place that we, God wants us to learn, first of all, the first thing I'm going to be bringing out about thinking in a supernatural way. And then also, secondly, we need to learn how to also plan supernaturally. Not only think supernaturally, but also plan supernaturally and then, last of all, learn to claim supernatural resources for whatever the needs may be within your life. Now, when we think about learning to think supernaturally, there's a scripture that says in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, thinking and the thought pattern within your mind has a lot to do how you behave and how you act. And this is why there must be a change in our mentality. God wants to change us. He wants to change the behavior of our lives. We, he don't want us to live like we used to live before. There's a transformation that takes place. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. There's a transformation. There's a change that takes place. And the very same way, he wants to change our way of thinking. See, God's people should never think the way the world thinks. He wants us to have his mind. And over and over in the word of God, he talks about having a sound mind, having the mind of Christ. He wants to penetrate our thinking. He wants to penetrate our minds so that we could have the mind of Christ. So we need to learn to think supernaturally and elevate our thinking from the natural into the supernatural. Now that's the thought life, a change in our thought life. We must be saturate ourselves and our minds with God's word so that we could actually develop the mind of Christ. Now the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse two, 1 and 2, seek those things which are above and set your mind on the things that are above. Thinking supernaturally. In other words, thinking thoughts of faith. And there's some words that we're going to be thinking supernaturally. There's some words that we have to get out of our vocabulary. And one of the words that is very important to get out of our, our own vocabulary is, I can't. We say that so much. I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. He wants us to change that to, I can. You find over and over, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I may not be able to do it in the natural and in my own ability, but because Christ is in me, all things are possible and I can do all things. See the difference? And the difference is, is that Christ is within our lives. He is the one that makes all the difference. And he wants us to take him into account. Now, we could get in the dumps, and there are some people that you depress yourself. And I know the enemy will give you some fuel. You ever see some people de depressed? Uh, the enemy will tell you, you're terrible, and you're, you're ugly, or you're, or you're fat, or you're skinny, or, or you have no personality, or you have no talent, and you have this, and bringing you down. And then you begin to believe it. And then you begin to repeat these things. Instead of saying, I may have all those things, but I am a child of the king. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. There should be a difference in our behavior, a difference in our thoughts. And instead of thinking negative, we could think positive. Even though the situation is still there, even though the circumstances may be unfavorable. And I'm not saying things are going to change just like that. But even though they're unfavorable, the situation may be unfavorable, the circumstances may be unfavorable, the eyes of faith are able to see the invisible. You're able to see Christ in the midst of it all. So we need to think in a supernatural way. Secondly, as we begin to think supernaturally, then naturally we begin to plan supernaturally. We begin to plan God-sized plans. Not man-sized plans, but God-sized planning. The problem we do is that we, we plan, we plan and we, we separate God from our plans. We shouldn't do that. I mean, he's with us. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We, we have the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And anything that we endeavor to do, we must take Jesus into account. So whenever we plan, we must consider Jesus and also include Jesus also within our planning. And when we include Jesus within our planning, then we could plan in a supernatural way. Now, there's nothing wrong with planning, but we need to include God within our planning. God-sized planning. Now, let's take a look in the book of uh, Malachi. I want you to take, uh, in fact, let's talk about that a little bit. In fact, even before, just open to the book of Malachi, and then we'll get into it in just a little while. But I want to talk to you about planning a little bit. Planning. Do you know that God is a planner? God has a strategy. He strategizes. There's a, a divine plan that God has for man. There's a divine plan that God has for the world, for the universe. And long ago, when we talk about stewardship, long ago, God had a divine plan of how his people are able to prosper financially. And it's all in the Word of God. 
If you want to prosper financially, the best place to look is into the Word of God. We have a guidebook on prospering financially and prospering in every way. Now, long ago, there was a plan of tithing that God brought into existence. Now, not, sometimes we, we take tithing so very lightly, but when we understand that it was divinely instituted, then we should think, think serious about the area of tithing, the area of our stewardship before him. In the beginning, God made Adam and Eve. In the very beginning, when he made Adam and Eve, he established the institution of tithing. He placed them in the garden and made them stewards over it, but he reserved one tree, which was the tithe, unto himself. And though Adam and Eve had dominion over it, they could not partake of it because it was God's. Now, you notice what he did? He tells them, okay, he put them in the Garden of Eden, and it was a paradise. That was paradise. He put man in paradise. He says you could partake of everything. You could take and partake of everything, but this one tree, I want you to leave it alone. That belongs to me. This is a tree that I don't want you to partake of. I don't want you to touch. The reason why he did that was so that man would understand that everything belonged to God. Even though they were able to partake of it, even though they were able to enjoy it, nevertheless, God wanted them to have the mentality that everything still belonged to God. And there's a tendency sometimes that we, we, we tend to forget that, that God is owner of all things, and he's the creator of all things. God also took one of the days, he said seven days, and then he took one day and he separated it and he said, this day is the Lord's day. All these days you go about your business and do what you must do and what you have to do, daily activity. But there's one day that I have separated it to be my day, the Sabbath day. So he separated a day that was for himself. Again, one day out of seven for himself. And the very same way God has also instituted the principle of tithing. In the Old Testament, he says, the tithe belongs to the Lord. I will bless you. I will meet your needs. But the tithe, he said, belongs to me. So tithing is a principle that God has instituted within the Word of God. Now, there's some people that they actually come and they say, well, tithing was part of the Mosaic law. Well, the law of Moses, and because we're not in the dispensation of the law of Moses anymore, then I don't have to tithe. It's funny the way so many people try to find excuses not to tithe. Man, when it comes to money and it comes to finances, so many people are always looking for loopholes so that they won't have to part with their finances. And yet they're missing out on, on some principles of blessings that God wants to give them. Some tremendous principles that God wants to instill within our lives that brings prosperity and brings blessings. And many times we miss out on that because we're always worried about, about our finances. We find in the Word of God that the, the principle of tithing was actually practiced before the Mosaic law, before the law of Moses. In fact, you see, we find it in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 1 and 2. We find it practiced by Abraham, the man of faith. 
the patriarch of faith. Now, why is it that Abraham was called the father of faith? The reason why he was called that and he, he gained the reputation, the reputation was given to him as a man of faith, was because he was able to put his trust in God. Even when things looked dark and they looked impossible, nevertheless, he still trusts God. Remember when he said, God will provide a sacrifice. Remember that? He was going with his child. And God says, I want you to sacrifice your child Isaac. And he went with the sacrifice, and he went to the altar to sacrifice his child. The child looked at him and said, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham looked at his child and said, God will provide the sacrifice. God will provide. I know God too intimately to doubt him. God will provide. God will not fail. And he took his child and he was, he was tested. You see, his faith was on trial, was being tested. And our faith are, is, is always going to be, it's easy to talk about faith, but it's important to keep the faith when the faith is tested. And his faith was tested. Where he even took the knife. You remember that in, in Genesis, where he took the knife, he was going to plunge it right into his child because he said, I, I'm sure within the mind of Abraham, he said, even if I kill him, God is so faithful that he will resurrect him from the dead. Even if I plunge the knife into him, God is a faithful God. God knows what he's doing, and he's able to resurrect him from the dead. See, God promised him many nations and many children. And here he gives him a child, and now he's telling him to sacrifice. It didn't make sense. But nevertheless, he says, I will trust God. And then when he had the knife and ready to plunge it in, then God says, stop, Abraham, stop. And God provided, just like Abraham said, God provided a sacrifice. You see, that's why he is known as the father of faith, because in spite of the circumstances, he was able to trust God and put his trust in God. And one of the things that he learned was the principle of tithing. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. In other words, he came and he brought a tithe, and this was 400 years before the Mosaic law. So somehow, even before the law of Moses, somehow God revealed to Abraham the principle of prosperity, that if you come in partnership with me, Abraham, you will never lack, you will never want. I will take care of your needs, and I will bless you if you put your trust in me. And he learned it 400 years ago, before even the Mosaic, 400 years before the Mosaic law. And that's many, many years ago he learned that principle. And this is the very same principle that God wants us to learn. I don't know, some of you may not get excited over this topic, but you should get excited. Some of you have been suffering because you don't have enough finances and you're not making it. Some of you, are, uh, uh, you know, somehow you've been blessed in a lot of areas and possibly you're not being blessed in your bank account, in your, 
in your, as far as your pocketbook, and it's not being blessed. And you're always saying, why? Why? Well, number one, it could be because you have a poverty mentality. If you think poverty, you lack poverty. You'll have a poverty, poverty stricken with a poverty mentality. And there are people that'll go like that all their life, always saying, because I can't, I got my little pennies, and I can't, and they, this pastor talks about money, he talks about paying stuff, but I'm, I'm going to pay tithes, I can't pay, I give the Lord a little dollar I have over here, you know, I'll give the Lord maybe a little bit of change, or maybe five dollars I could afford, but I can't afford more than that. Listen, you cannot afford not to tithe. See, the, the problem is, again, is that you, you're thinking in the natural. You're dealing and you're moving in the realm of what you could see instead of moving in the realm of the invisible. It's not what you could see with your physical eyes, but we must put on the eyes of faith and be able to see with our spiritual eyes of what God is able to do and all the resources that he has given unto us when we put our faith and confidence in him. So if we have that type of mentality, then... Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. If that's how you think, then that's the way you're going to be. But God wants to elevate us from that. When we start taking a look at the greatness of God, the greatness of God and all the resources of God, as we get into the Word of God, we begin to see that that has a tendency to change our mentality. And as we change our mentality, then we begin to open up the windows of heaven and begin to experience the blessings of God. So Abraham understood this, and he came into that, into that partnership with God because he understood, he realized that God was owner of all. God owns everything, I want you to know. In fact, in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8, he says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord. I'll give you another scripture. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Everything. Psalms 50, verses 10 to 12, God says, For every beast of the, feet of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and all the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, God says, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Scripture after scripture pointing out that God owns everything. God owns everything you have anyhow. You think you own it, but he owns it all anyhow. It all belongs to him. Even this world you're on belongs to him. Everything you have belongs to him. Everything belongs to God. He is the creator of this world. Everything belongs to him. And the tithing system, when we talk about tithe, this was initiated by God himself. It's not something that man made up, but it was God himself. And listen to what it says in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30 to 33. It says, in all the tides of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord and is holy unto the Lord. Verse 32 says, and concerning the tides of the herd or the flock, even of whatsoever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Now I'm sure you could say, and this is the argument that some people say, well, 
That's Old Testament, but what about New Testament? Well, do you know that in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul speaks on that about giving to God proportionately? You know what I believe? My firm belief is this. I'll tell you by my own personal conviction. That if they gave a tithe, if they were able to tithe in the Old Testament, then we should, as New Testament believers, they didn't have in the Old Testament what we experience, what you enjoy. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon them and that would leave. They didn't have, like we have, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But now in the new dispensation, Christ died. We have even more revelation because Christ died. He resurrected from the dead. We are his church. We are his people. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. He sent the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost resides inside of us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God in us. And if they were able to give a tithe in the Old Testament, we should be able to not only give a tithe, the very minimum that we should give is a tithe, but even give even much more than a tithe. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and he's dealing with the new believers. And Paul says to them, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him and store as God has prospered him. You hear what he's saying? Now when is the first day of the week? Look at me. Smile. You look so serious like that. Smile, come on. Upon the first day of the week, he's saying, now when is the first day of the week? When is the first day of the week? Sunday is the first day of the week. Now what I try to do, encourage some of you, is to pay your tithes on Friday, some of you, because it won't last till Sunday. There are some of you that have to take it, and it, it, I'm like that. I'm the type that, you know what I tell? Uh, I tell the treasurer of the church, I say, I don't even want to see the tithes. Just take it, take it out. Take it out. That's the first fruit. Take it out. I don't even want to see it. You know, you, once you have it, some people, once you have it in your hands, whoo, I mean, goodbye. So if you, if you can't wait till the first day of the week, which is Sunday, then it's best for you to come over here on Friday and just pay your tithe. But let the tithes be the first fruit. Let it, let it be not the, the last part after you pay all your bills, but it's supposed to come from the top. Give to God what belongs to God. You see? So he says, upon the first day of the week, it says, let every one of you lay by him by in store as God has prospered him. Now this is what you would call proportionate giving. You give according to how God has prospered you. This is New Testament giving. So that means that you don't have to necessarily limit yourself to a tithe. Tithe is 10%. There are some people that it could actually even be a sin for you to just to give the 10% with all the blessings that God has given to you. There are some people that could actually give 50% and live off the other 50% because that's how great God has blessed them. So imagine them giving just 10%. Okay. So in New Testament giving is giving proportionately according to how God has blessed you, and the very minimum that we could give, the starting point, is giving our tithes. Actually, not only one tithe, they gave three. In fact, uh, the first tithe was given for the support of the ministry for the Levites. The second tithe was given for the national feasts, plus they brought 12 different offerings. And every three years, they were required to pay a third tithe 
to also take care of the poor. So there was a financial God-instituted system that actually worked. And in the New Testament, Paul is saying, you give in proportion as God has blessed you. And you know what's happening in our church? You know why we even bring this out stewardship? Because we want you to grow in this particular area. We don't want you just to be lopsided, you know. Some people are lopsided Christians. Lopsided Christians. They grow in one area, and then they don't grow in any other area. And God wants us to be well-rounded in every area. And if any pastor knows what's best for his congregation, I know. But sometimes we don't like to hear it. Don't, you know, you say, what are you wasting time and speaking on money for? Why is sacrilegious to talk about money? We shouldn't talk about money in church. You ever hear people say that? Man, if you, 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 we would have to cut out a, a, a whole sections of the New Testament because we find chapters dedicated to finances. Because Jesus said, you cannot serve me and serve mammon. You can't worship me and worship the great and mighty dollar. You can't worship both. You have to put somebody first. And he says, seek ye first the what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All things will be added unto you. You know what I include in all things? I include health. And man, what, what good is it to have all kinds of money and you have poor health? Just like me, I went into the offer. I said, God, give me a fix. Give me a Holy Ghost fix. Yeah, this morning I was on a bummer. Man. Wow. I was like this, and I thought I was going to, like that speaking, I was so stiff and speaking, and I, and I, I felt myself cold and everything. And then after I, I walked, I didn't even talk to, because usually I have a line of people I want counseling. And man, I, I, could, I don't got no state to counsel anybody, much less even pray for anybody. I went to the office. Jesus, give me a fix. Man, the Lord gave me a fix, and I walked out, and I says, I'm ready now for the second service. Health. He wants to bless us and give us health. He wants to give you health. He wants to be your doctor. Dr. Jesus. And then he also wants to bless you in every area of your life. He 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 wants to bless your home. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless you going in and you're going out. And he also wants to be Lord over your finances, if you permit him. This is very important for a congregation to understand. And you know that the percentage, not every congregation learns this principle. This is why there's so many weak and sickly people, because they don't learn these principles that are in the Word of God. Do you know that many congregations, when you look at statistics, you find that in the congregation, normally 20% tithe and 80% don't tithe. Isn't that sad? In other words, 20% in most congregations are the one that are supporting the work of the ministry and 80% are for the free ride. Now, I want to tell you that our percentage rate is higher than that. I praise God for that. You know what our percentage rate is? What is it, Saul? About, what is it, about 40? About 40 just a little high, 40. That means that 40% of you actually tithe 
And how many? 60% are non-tithers. That means you come in here and you say, I'm part of the church. Now, if you're a visitor, it's no problem. Visitors, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to. You're not obligated. You know, it's fine. Maybe you tithe somewhere else. But if you're part of this congregation, if people have come part of this congregation, come on Sunday morning, and you see that envelope that's in your bulletin, you know what you do with that? You see the envelope, and then you take it, and you take it home with you. Take it home with you. In fact, you have it in your envelope right now, right? You have it in the thing, and it's probably not even filled out. Oh, now it's getting quiet in here. It's not even filled out because you didn't plan. I mean, you came to church, and you came planned to worship him. I love you, Jesus. But when it came with your finances, you didn't plan on giving to God what belongs to God in the area of your finances. They say, Pastor, why do you have to speak like that? You know why I speak like that? Because I'm your pastor, number one. Number two, because I love you. And number three, because I want the very best for you. Now, I'm sure somebody will say, well, you, you, it's because you need the money for the ministry. Yeah, well, we need it. But you know something? I'm going to tell you something. This is God's ministry. You know that if you don't give, God will raise, raise somebody else to give? And man, look at all the people we have here. God could just talk to, talk to one person, and, and you're surprised. Some people are holding heavy, too. God could just get all of one person, and pow, you, give $50,000. And you say it can't happen? It sure can't. You, you imagine when we first started our ministry, all I had was a bunch of drug addicts. And we made it. bunch of drug addicts that never worked and we made it. We bought our first building, a bunch of drug addicts in possible cases. Then we bought another building and we've been moving ever since. If God was able to help us back there when we, you know, we didn't have the finances and we said, Lord, we need it. And at the very moment that we needed it, God always came through because God is a faithful God. So when I speak about it, it's just, and I'll, I'll give you this, uh, this example. It's just like a, 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 a mother and father, right? What do you do with the kids? What do they want to eat? Give me ice cream. Give me cake. And then, I don't want to eat that. And the mother says, eat it, it's good for you. Right? They take the spoon. Eat it, it's good for you. No, I don't want to eat that. Eat it. Mm, it's good for you. Now, why is the mother doing that? Why are the parents doing that? Because they recognize that this is what the child actually needs. And as pastor, everything I do. Eat it is good for you. This is good stuff. This is good for you. Sad to say, there are many ministers that, that shy and, and that, that responsibility is a fact. They're afraid to speak because they're afraid to be criticized. Every time you speak on finances, you're always going to have your critics. 
And I have them here in our church. What is that going to speak on money? What is going to speak on What about that? It could go on until doomsday and keep on going like that. It goes in one ear out the other ear because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in direct line with God. Whatever God wants our church to have. And the Bible talks about, that's what's so beautiful about the Apostle Paul. He says, I haven't shied away from giving you the whole counsel of the Word of God. Man, I could see a potential here of God stirring you up and for the first time in your life you take out that envelope, you begin to give to God, you begin to plan before you come to church and say, my tithe belongs to God. I'm going to give to God because I'm going to trust Him and come in partnership with God. You begin to see your life so spiritually revolutionized that you will be a, a, a testimony and begin to testify of what God has done within your life, just like we had our sister testify this last Friday over here. She was testifying how God has blessed. Well, I better be careful, man. I'm getting over here. Carry it away. So, what am I talking about? I'm talking about that God wants to bless us. God wants to bless you. And God wants you blessed. And the only way he could bless you is when you come into that place of partnership with him and trusting him. Now, you know, uh, this poverty mentality, you got to get rid of it. You need to be delivered, some of you, from that poverty mentality. Do you know that it's, when you give in the offering $5, did you figure out the $5 or did you just give whatever comes into your mind? See, the Bible talks about giving proportionately a tithe how much is a tithe? From $100, how much is a tithe? $10. That means if you make $100, then you give the very minimum is what? $10. You make $200, how much is it? That's what you should do at home. You do it at home, then you come ready, and you put it in your envelope, and you come ready to worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings. And in conclusion, I'm going to finish with this. I want you to open up to Malachi. Malachi. Open up to Malachi. Somebody said Malachi. Uh, uh, really? Somebody says, Will you open your Bibles to Malachi? And I said, My God. Okay, what does it say? Okay, first of all, it says in verse 8. Notice what it says in verse 8. What's the question? Would what? Would a man rob God? Now, that's a question. Would a man rob God? And then he answers the question, and we're going to be taking a look at some of the questions that are over here and questions that possibly you may have in your mind. We're just going to take about five minutes with this, and then we're going to be finished. But listen to what he says, would a man rob God? Now, Webster's Dictionary defines rob or steal as depriving something from someone rightfully, that rightfully belongs to that person or rightfully owns it. So you're depriving God from something that rightfully belongs to him when you do not tie. So God is saying here, will you rob me? Will a man rob God? And then you get shocked and say, I don't rob God. He says, oh, yes, you do. And how could you rob God? The second answer is in tithes and in offering. 
How can a man rob God? In tithes and in offering. And then uh, this is something that sometimes we don't acknowledge it, but we are robbing God when we're not giving to him what belongs to him. And the very minimum is a tithe. You take, and sometimes we have the mentality, gimme, 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 and you fail to take God into account. What does God say? It's more blessed to give than to receive because the heart of God is a heart of giving. When you have the heart of God, you can't help but give. So how do you rob God in tithes? Notice it says tithes, and it brings out also offering. There's offerings as well. Okay, another question. How much of our tithe do we have to bring? That's a question that possibly some of you have, right? Even though I've mentioned it already. But what does the Bible say? Bring ye what? What does it say? Bring some? Part? What does it say? Bring ye all! 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 Not just part of it, some of it, but all your tithes, it says. And it also in the Old Testament, you know, when, when somebody dabbled into the tithes and they used up the tithes like some of us do, that belong to God, you know what, they, what God did? They, made them, they, they also charged them interest. If they got into the tithe, they had to pay interest. And they would have to pay interest every time they dabbled into the tithe that belonged to God. And how many times we do that? So it says all, not part, but all the time. Okay, where do we bring our tithes? To the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? The church. Does it say to Brother Saul? Does it say to Brother Sonny? What does it say? The storehouse. The church. You see, it's not your responsibility what is done with it. Then it becomes our responsibility as the eldership what is done with the tithe. That's, that's something that God holds us accountable. But you know what people want to do? The people, people, sometimes people, because they tithe, they want to run the show. Well, I'm not going to tithe. Sonny offended me. Pastor Sonny offended me. And Brother Saul offended me. And, 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 and this other minister offended me. And I don't like the way this sister sang. And I don't like the way this sister was dressed. And I don't like the other person's gossiping. And I don't like the other way that, where the usher sat me. And I don't want to sit there again, so I'm going to hold out on my tides. I'll get back at them. We don't have nothing to do with that. You know, you, you, this is something between you and God. See, this is the, the mentality sometimes, and the right mentality is to understand that your responsibility in tithing is between you and God. And you bring your tithes into the storehouse, to the church, to God, and say, here it is. That's your responsibility. Once you give it, then you release it, and you have fulfilled your responsibility. Then we have the responsibility of being good stewards as far as before God, of making sure that we're trying to be the best stewards in using the finances, God's finances, that have come in.
And if we're not, then you rest assured, God knows how to chastise. God knows how to spank. <laughs> he's an expert on that. So, so it's, God knows what he's doing, but it's your responsibility to bring it, not your responsibility to call the shots and what should be done with it, but your responsibility to be obedient and give to God what belongs to God. Now, there's a whole lot of people that they, they give, but there's strings attached. And I think Nikki brought it out beautifully, didn't he? That's the, you know, that's the first time Nikki preached, ever preached on that, I think. He had me at the edge of my seat last Sunday. Those of you that were here, Nikki, Nikki Nikki's blood, man, ooh. He had me at the edge, you know. And he was just, but he was, he was speaking the truth. That's why we're saying amen, glory to God, because he was speaking the truth. So where do we bring the tithes into the storehouse? Why do we bring our tithes? So that what? There may be what? Meet in my house. So that the ministry, it could continue to be that lighthouse and that ministry could flow. Now, what, what do we have here? Do you think all this, we got lights? Do we have to pay for that? This building? You know how much we pay? Let me tell you how much we pay just for the property alone a month. Well, I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? Over $20,000 a month just for this property. Huh? Yeah. You know how much this property is worth now? We, we, we paid for it. Look how God is. How beautiful God is. We paid 1.7 for the property, and then we had to fix it all up and, you know, get all this thing fixed up. And I don't even know how in the world we did it, but we did it. I can't explain it. Believe me, I can't explain it. Two years ago, they appraised this property. So an appraiser came and appraised it two years ago for $6 million. Two years ago. Now, that's two years ago, and I'm sure that right now, what would you say? Some of your businessmen, what, uh, could be $8 million right now? Huh? Seven, eight million dollars? You say, how in the world did God bring us, bring us to this place? Well, because we put our faith in God. And God provides. God provides all that. All that God provides. Sometimes we, we you know, we get uh, a little shaky. But nevertheless, God always provides because he's a faithful God. So why do we bring our tithes? So that we can continue to minister. We can continue to give out the word of God. Okay, when should we bring our tithes? Huh? It says upon, in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, upon the first day of the week. But I mentioned to, that, to you before that sometimes if you can't, I think I did, if you can't hold out, then give it Friday. It's all right. I'm sure the Lord will understand. Or come and give it Wednesday. I'm sure the Lord will understand. But what it means is giving systematically systematically when we talk about planning spiritually planning supernatural planning means systematic giving not giving when you feel and when not, and, 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 and not giving when you when you when you don't feel like but giving in spite whether you feel good or, or you don't feel good whether you're facing circumstances or not facing circumstances, whether there is pressure or not pressure, you are faithful in your giving systematically unto God. 
And that's a sign of maturity. People that are immature are very unsystematic people. Unstable in all their ways, sporadic people. They come to church sporadically when they feel good. They don't come when they don't feel good. They give when they feel good. They don't give when they feel good. They are totally dominated by their emotions. And hear me now. God wants to elevate you from your emotions and not depending upon your emotions and putting your faith and anchoring your faith in God that when it rains or it snows or whether the sun is out, you're consistent and you're still the same because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever and God never changes and we are anchored to Him. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? So we're anchored to an unchanging God. And if we're anchored to an unchanging God, why do you change so much? Why why do you change? Because you're going, you're being, you're going by your emotions instead of going by the principle. And you know what Nikki said, dignity of anchoring your faith in an unchanging God who changes not. See what I'm talking about? So giving systematically, systematically, giving proportionately as God has prospered us. And then last of all, what are the results of paying tithes and giving offerings? What are the results? Now you may ask the question, is there something in for me? You know, we always want something like that, right? What am I going to get out of it? Well, God knows our mentality. He knows how we are, so he lets us know. And he tells us in verse 10, what does he say? And prove me, in verse 10, Here which saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you, that you will not even be able to contain it. So he's saying, prove me. Try me. Check me out. If I will not open up the windows of heaven, come in partnership with me. You don't have anything to lose, he says. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon your life. And then it says in Luke chapter 12, it says, Take therefore no thought for what you shall eat. It says, or what you shall put on. He says, God knows that you have need of it, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all all things will be added unto you. Then he says in verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer. I will rebuke that spirit of poverty. I will rebuke that curse that is upon you so that the windows of heaven will open and I could pour out the blessings that I desire to pour out upon your life. And there are people here this morning that are cursed with a curse, and they are—they need to be rebuked. The devourer needs to be rebuked in their life. You know what happens? The Bible says when you don't give to God, you have holes in your pockets. You try to keep it, you ever find that it, it always goes? You just can't make ends meet. You say, I, I work, and I work, and I work, and I work, and I can't get ahead. It very well could be that the devourer needs to be rebuked 
and the devourer is rebuked, when he's rebuked, then you come into that, into that partnership, into that relationship, beautiful relationship with God, in partnership with God. That's what God wants for you this morning. Exactly what he wants for you this morning. Now, if you're not saved, this is for the Christians. If you're not saved, I don't expect you to understand this. You got to get saved first. But for the Christians, this is a responsibility and a, and a principle that is outlined here within the Word of God. I want you to stand with me this morning. Glory to God. Raise your hands right now. Just raise your hands before the Lord. I want everybody still, no one moving any direction. Everybody still, only the musicians. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's sing that chorus. Give thanks. The grateful heart give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ the Son. Give thanks. Sing it out with a grateful heart. Give This message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.